Oh, 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 well, oh, well, it's another episode of the Insert SEO Podcast, where we paint the town red with wild sprees of search marketing insights. Today, the famous, the renowned Dan Petrovic hits the airwaves with us to explore the deep, dark depths of Google's algorithm. Is there something new brewing within Google's algorithm? Are Google's confirmed updates a red herring that distract us from the even bigger algorithmic changes that are happening and what's the best way to approach a google update plus we look at rank stability trends over the past few years to see if maybe something is a brewing i am your host morty oberstein and i am joined by she who is full of life and joy sapir carabello Ah, thanks morty i expect such, such an introduction every week from now on fyi and i shall provide such a robust and fulfilling and rewarding introduction for you each and every week I hope. Um, no pressure on me to find, but it's always, you know, hard to like find a good introduction for, for my co-host. I, sp- I do spend mm-hmm. time on it, like mm-hmm. trying to figure out. I have a whole list of adjectives, that, adjectives, I got the word out, that I go through, believe it or not. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a whole thing. I have a whole method of my madness. Okay. Yes, yeah, true. And you didn't really need to know that. You probably don't even care. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, before we move on, we release a new episode of the In Search SEO Podcast each and every Tuesday. You can find it on the Rank Ranger blog. You can find it on SoundCloud, on Spotify, on Stitcher. And, of course, you can subscribe on iTunes. So please subscribe on iTunes. And before we continue, I must pay homage to my employer, Rank Ranger. Did you know that you can see your competitors' top rankings and if they're actually showing above the fold and if you're actually showing above the fold with Rank Ranger. Yes, you can, believe it or not, and believe it or not, by the way, and I've shown this in many, many blog posts, just because you're number one on the SERP does not mean you are above the fold, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. Do you believe that? Well. I said it, so it must be true, right? (laughs) (laughs) That's what I tell my wife, but she doesn't believe me anyway. Okay. Um, See, I wonder why. Yeah. So we got a big time show for you today, one of my favorite topics, Google Algorithm Trends, with one of my favorite thought leaders, Dan Petrovic. So let's do a little precursor to that. Um, Okay, so during the interview, which you'll hear in a few moments, you're going to hear us talk about um, that Google's been a little bit quiet lately, and at the same time that perhaps something ill-defined seems to be brewing. That's a bit of a contradiction. Right, so that's the whole problem. So I'm going to try to... um, I thought I'd explain it a little bit. I can't speak for Dan. Of course, I can only explain to you my thoughts behind how to balance off that contradiction. So um, I guess what up? we're going to speculate a whole hell of a lot for the next few minutes, okay? Because we're going to go read between the lines, folks. We're trying to explain what's really happening with Google. It's quietness. It's eerie quietness and what might be behind that. So hit that really enlightening um, reading between the lines segment music, please, Mr. Editor. So just the other day, I was complaining on Twitter that Google has been eerily quiet. Isn't that a good thing? So not when you make your living trying to you know analyze, rant, and rave about what Google's been doing. That's, that's bad for business, bad for my business. Okay, so I, I know I should be grateful. It's quiet. I got Simon Cox on Twitter is a really nice guy who I like to have on the show one of these days. It's like, sit back, relax, like, you know, chill out. Enjoy the quiet. So I guess he's right. I should enjoy the the quiet. Mm -hmm. But I make my living on Google doing crazy things. So it's a little, it's a little, it's a little unnerving for me. Please, Google, do something. And it has. Well, we'll, okay, we'll we'll get to it. Okay, okay. Let me break this down a bit so I can set myself up some for some conjecture because we all we all love conjecture and speculation. So are things actually quieter on the SERP? 
and that's really hard to qualify. However, 2019 has certainly not produced the same number of blockbuster changes to Google SERP features. Okay, So I do a monthly digest called the SERP News, and you should look for that. I'm going to plug the SERP News. Um, usually it comes at the first week of every month at some point, so check that out. And it's been harder and harder, by the way, to put together something that I feel is interesting and novel solely because the news has slowed down a bit. Oh, Google changed this search console report. Yay, it's really exciting. Okay, so there's, there's definitely been a, a slowdown in the number of tests to the SERP and whatnot. Because it used to be used to have like, you know, a good two or three SERP feature changes every week. Maybe there's one a week now. And I, I'm, sometimes not. Okay, so definitely a slowdown there. Let's move on to SERP feature data trends. And that's something I watch very, very, very closely. And I can tell you there is an enormous slowdown there. Okay, so outside of some things we reported on um, on the Rank Ranger blog and the SERP news that I just mentioned, like you know, some video carousel spikes, um, some image thumbnail, uh, image thumbnails. Uh, there was an image thumbnail thing a couple couple months ago. There was uh, the the image box on the SERP goes up, it goes down. There's a weird pattern going on there. And outside of some ads and PLA changes, the data has been pretty stable and quiet. There hasn't been, oh, a huge spike in SERP features, uh, in SERP features, in, in feature snippets, or in local packs, or in, in the knowledge panel, whatever it is. It's, it's been pretty quiet. Okay, you haven't heard any sort of you know, major reports, say, hey, check it out. There's way more feature snippets on the SERP because it just hasn't been that way. And there have been some slow incremental growth and whatever, 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 okay? But it hasn't been blockbuster. It's been quiet, which is my point. Now, how about rank? So surely there have been fewer big old ranking earthquakes because you just haven't heard about these massive Google algorithm updates in 2019. I mean, there was one in March and there were a few you know, unconfirmed ones here and there, but it's been much quieter. And I guess that means rank is much quieter, right? How does that mean rank is quieter? Ah, good question. A well-placed, well-timed question. How did that happen? That's what I'm here for. <laughs> okay, so people should realize, by the way, okay, so you have a, you have your weather tools that, that track rank fluctuations, and most of them, um, okay, a lot of them, I can't speak for all of them. For example, Moz does not work this way, but Moz works a little bit differently. Stable and volatile relative terms. Can you explain that? Yes. Okay, so we've talked about this before. Again, it's, it's a little bit complicated, but I'm going to try to boil it down in a way that everyone will be able to understand, okay? What well, observe compared to an actual grown-up, say like I know Einstein, you know Albert Einstein, um, you know maybe Bill Gates, some of you think of somebody stable, okay? Compared to them, Johnny Depp is not stable. Johnny Depp is nuts, right? Okay, right. yeah, okay. However, compared to Lindsay Lohan. Johnny Depp is a regular Oprah. Oh, I get it. You get it? Now it's mm -hmm, all relative. Mm -hmm. Now that explains it. It's clear? Clear. <laughs> clear. Crystal clear. Okay. Crystal clear. Okay, okay. Compared to some really, really, really unstable rankings, moderate rank fluctuations seem like molehills next to mountains. It's all relative. Now, follow me. If high fluctuations become the new norm, okay, that will be considered stable by the tools. Because that's just a new ranking reality. And only when those already unstable rankings become far more volatile, 
will you start to hear about an update rolling out? Now, again, not every not every weather tool works this way. The Rank Risk Index does work this way. Mozcast does not seem to work this way. I spoke to Dr. Pete about this last week, actually. Okay, so, but in general, that's how these weather tools work. You should know that, okay? So just because you see Rank is stable on the weather tools doesn't mean that Rank is really stable. It just means Rank is relatively stable compared to other instabilities. Does that make more sense? Totally. <laughs> okay, thanks. Okay, so I did a whole study on this, by the way, you know, taking a look at rank stability from 2016 through to 2018, I think. Whatever. I'll put the link in, into the blog post. You'll, you'll, you'll click it. You'll read it. Whatever. I don't want to get into it so um, in detail here. But I did dig into the numbers a bit here again. Nothing crazy. Okay, I took a, you know, a dozen or so niches and I looked at their average position change. You should explain what it is. Yeah, okay. So I will try to explain what average position change means. Are you ready? Ready. Okay, so there's no Johnny Depp or Oprah comparison here. Oh, that's Yeah, strange. I know. So I couldn't think of something good. All right. So the average, the average position change means the average number of positions a site moves up or down the SERP when Google shuffles things around on the SERP. Okay, in simpler terms, in other words, if Google decides to rework the rankings for a for whatever keyword, okay, is site number three moving down to site number five on average? Or is site number three moving down to, I don't know, number 100 on average, to be hyperbolic about this, okay? The average number of positions a site moves when a site is being, you know, moved. You get it? Okay, it's pretty, it's pretty straightforward. Okay, so from 2016 and on, that number, the average position change number, okay, has, it's been on an upward trend from 2016 and on. So January 2016, the average number of positions we saw sites moving was around, uh, say, two positions, okay? January 2017, we're at about three and a half to four positions, so we're doubled, okay? Now fast forward to January 2018, and we're a bit over four, moving towards four and a half positions on average. Now, the medic update was interesting because the medic update pushed some of these niches towards an average position of about five, okay? You get where I'm going with this? Right on. Right on, okay? So... The, okay, after the medic update, something weird began to happen. The numbers started to drop. Okay, so you see this upward trend. Okay, and the average number of position sites tend to move all the way through the medic update, and then all of a sudden there's a drop off, and that is just bizarre because that's totally contrary to the last you know two and a half years or so, whatever it is. Okay, so by January 2019, we're already hitting numbers around three position changes. Okay, that's down from from five. We saw the medic update. The trends data is very very clear. You get a you're, you get a vivid downslope. Okay, the average number of positions has started to fall back down. Now it spiked a bit. And, you know, between the, the the March 2019 update and it's gone up just a little bit since January 2019. Fine. Okay, but overall, it's still in a downward trend. And and as, and at the start of May. The average numbers of the average numbers, the average number of positions, I got it, sites tend to move when they're on the move is about three and a half positions. Okay, so we're still well under the four and a half we were seeing. Okay, so rank, in other words, to put this all simply, I could have just said this in one simple sentence, rank is more stable than it used to be. But of course, I like to complicate things, but I, I like to give you some data as well. So there you go. Okay, rank is more stable, at least in terms of this one metric. Okay, I just, I'm not talking about a comprehensive deep dive. I literally spent 15 minutes looking at a couple of niches. I remember like more like a half hour, 35 minutes, maybe 45 minutes. I lose, I lose track of time. Okay. Which is weird by the way, because, because of machine learning, right? You would think there'd be a constant state of fluctuations. There'd be constant change because machine learning is constantly learning because that's what machine learning does. And it's constantly recalibrating, constantly changing, constantly reworking the SERP. Okay. 
but it hasn't been, at least to the extent we've seen in the past. Now, here comes the conjecture. Yay! And here I'm going to take a sip of coffee because I'm, I'm losing it. Okay. Here's where I'm speculating, and I love good speculation because it's juicy. Okay, so, know you do. Yes, yes. It's, I'm famous for it. When you think of horror, you think of conjecture and speculation as opposed to hard set facts. Yeah. Yeah, great. Totally. <laughs> That's the exact association I want for myself. Okay, so I think Google's figured it out. So follow me here. 2016, rank becomes more stable. I'm sorry. Rank becomes more unstable, right? far more unstable, which makes a good deal of sense because rank brain comes into the picture and starts to help Google figure out what's relevant and what's not relevant. And because it's a machine, I'm a machine. By the way, Terminator 2 comes, Terminator 3 comes out. They're, they're making a new Terminator. It, it With Arnold Schwarzenegger that, that follows Terminator 2, you don't know what I'm talking about, do you? No uh, I'm totally geeking out. There's a new Terminator movie coming out. Check it out. It's going to be awesome. I'm totally geeking over this. You're looking at me like I don't know what you're talking about. Oh my <laughs> no god! I'm like, last week it was jumping the shark and happy days. This week it's Terminator. All right, Google's machine learning properties need to learn because that's the whole point. Okay, and I think what's happened is it has taken about three or so years for it to learn. In other words, I speculate that we're at the point where Google's machine learning has learned enough not to have to undergo extensive recalibrations. It's adjusting all the time, but not to the same shocking intervals that we've seen in the past, okay? In other words, the adjustment is, uh, that, that's being made are, are becoming more and more and more refined. And in the process, okay, there's less bumps in the road, so to speak. Or in our terms, there's less positions on the move on average, okay? Less, uh, a site is moving less positions on average because Google sort of, Whereas machine learning has sort of figured things out. It's got a more refined sense of things, so things don't have to be shifted and jumped around to the extent that they used to be, okay? All right. So now that's the quiet, okay? That, that explains the quiet. That explains why things are not jumping around the server as much as they used to be. But that doesn't mean something's brewing, does it? No. Okay, so how do I get to there? You following this path of conjecture? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Rather, what I think happens is with Google is that one milestone begets another one, okay? As Google and its machine learning has reached a certain milestone of stability, it puts another milestone in reach, which makes good sense, okay? And I think what you're seeing is that the way Google is better understanding the finer points of, um, of entities and you, Google's understanding your relevancy much more and you have you're able to understand, you know, super synonyms the way, ways that it wasn't in the, in the past, wasn't able to in the past, I think with that, that's putting new milestones in reach, okay? So let's go full-on crazy here and suppose that Google is sort of like the Marvel Cinematic, Cinematic Universe. That one phase begets the next phase. And if Google has reached a certain pinnacle via its machine learning, then it puts the next pinnacle in sight. It allows Google to reach the next mountaintop. And doesn't that sound inspirational? Did you really just compare Google to the Avengers? Yeah, why not? Just checking. Okay, okay. Okay. I think Google, like Marvel, and I won't spoil Avengers if you haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen it. I'm going to totally tell you, okay? Thanos did it. I ruined it for you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You haven't seen it? I haven't seen it yet. Oh, God. People, some people are busy, you know? I'm going to ruin it. Can I I spoil it? No. All right. Okay. Deep breath, because you're just blowing my mind here. Okay, you don't... (laughs) First, it's the Happy Days thing. Then it's Terminator. Now you haven't seen Endgame yet. Okay. Just going to move on. I have a life. Oh, and I don't have a life? I have four children. (laughs) My wife's like, where do you watch all these movies? It's like three o'clock in the morning. Anyway, I think Google's entering a new phrase like Marvel's entering a new phase. Okay? Meaning 
this quiet on all fronts, be it SERP feature changes, be it SERP feature data trends, be it Google algorithm updates and rank and whatever, is all the calm before the storm. Okay, think of it like this, okay? Think about all these like, you know, these whacked out crazy ass Google bugs that we've been dealing with for the better part of two months, okay? When do you have bugs in the system? Okay, well, think about it. You have bugs in the system when you have something new that you've built that hasn't been worked out yet. So all this quiet combined with all of these Google bugs, in my mind at least, means, and of course I'm speculating, and there's various theories back and forth. People think it's a manual error that somebody made. I, there's all sorts of theories, but to me, a series of bugs, one after the next after the next, usually happens when, when, there's, when you've built something new, some new infrastructure, whatever it is, and you haven't worked out the kinks. Okay, so you have all this quiet, you have all these bugs going on at one time, right? Okay, and I think, okay, to go full-on conspiracy theory, right, that you could even argue that all these search console updates that's been happening are paving the way for a new paradigm. Ooh. Ooh. Okay, in other words, all this quiet that we've seen combined with the Google bugs mean that there's Google's been laying off, Google's been quiet, Google's been hiding and hibernating because it's working on something big. Mm-hmm. And this big thing is causing tons of bugs, right? Right. And to pave the way for this big thing, to make sure that everyone has the data they need and they're tracking the data the right way, Google's updating Search Console all the time. Okay. Now, I mean, look, you have the new mobile SERP, new paradigm of the mobile SERP. So tell me I'm wrong. Okay. Tell me that there's something something new is not happening over at Google. And all this quiet we've seen is just the quiet before the storm. You have a brand new mobile SERP with an with a colorless ad label that blends right into the organic results okay you have i mean for you have freaking favorite cons on the on the mobile syrup now for crying out loud and 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 by the way the url is not black it's not green anymore okay it's a new sometimes when something looks a new way it's reflective of a deeper change right you you change your personality you work on yourself you've morphed and evolved Sometimes you actually change your physical look, right? Sure. Yeah, makes sense. Okay, Google has been, I think, working on something for a long time, which explains all the bugs, explains all the quiet, and that the mobile SERP, the the outer layer, the redesign, is reflective of that. Okay, so long, long story short, and and I think that there's a lot of signs that saying that there's change on the way in a big way. I think there's something very ill-defined brewing. And I think all of this, all this quiet in terms of rank and all this whatnot and whatever, combined with the new mobile SERP, means something big is on the way. And of course, it's speculation. And of course, it's conjecture. And of course, this is, by the way, has to be the longest intro to an interview you've ever heard. Okay, so if this is not the longest interview, interview, if this is not the longest intro to an interview you've ever heard, I don't know what is. So I think I'm done. Okay, I, I hope you're certainly in the zone. I hope you're now in the mood to explore Google's algorithm with Dan Petrovic. Cut one. Welcome to another In Search SEO podcast interview session. Today, we're going to go deep into the Google algorithm, and we have an all-star to do that with. He has spoken in every search conference you can possibly imagine. He has written about every search topic you can possibly imagine, and he is the managing director of the John Marketing out of Australia. He is... Dan Petrovich, thank you so much for coming on. Pleasure to be with you. So I have to ask you before before we start from one bearded man to another, how do you get that perfect chin strap? Because I would totally mess that up. I think um, it's the simplest possible method that I use. Just 
the usual plastic disposable shaver. Right. And not too much fuss, just zip, zip, zip. And um, I think it's just maybe I'm I'm talented. I used to do painting. That's uh, cool. Okay. I think you're talented because I would most definitely mess that up, without a doubt. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't. That's why I don't try. <laughs> okay. So let's go deep into the algorithm. There's so much I want to talk to you about. Um, let's kick it off with eat. Yes. Where do you stand on the whole EAT eat debate? I mean, I don't mean. Okay. So I don't mean in. In regards, there's no one-to-one match between the quality rater guidelines and the algorithm. What I'm referring to is more of a general thrust. Um, do you think that there's sort of a general similarity between what's being, what has been more recently added to the quality rater guidelines and what Google can now do algorithmically? Well, the, the two things are vastly different. Okay. So uh, quality rater guidelines, they are designed to instruct the raters to provide the most useful input so search engineers can evaluate their output, right? And um, Google's algorithms generate the output for the user that raters evaluate. And, and the, two, the two things are completely different things. They, we cannot compare them. So on one side, we have the machine learning algorithms and, and whatever Google produces as search results. Um, and then the other one is, a set of guidelines that help Google extract the most value out of their rating team. So I, I don't I don't think people should be obsessing too much over those guidelines. Okay. I mean, there's a reason that Google has quote leaked quote um, the guidelines, and obviously, if it was a um, a protected asset, it wouldn't leak. Google's <laughs> algorithms didn't leak. Right. <laughs> <laughs> These things don't just happen. <laughs> I mean, potentially the first iteration was uh, was circulated without permission, but I think Google has actually embraced it. Right. And they're using, they're using the quality rater guidelines as a bit of a PR thing um, to, to, to spread the message, which their message is great, you know, do, do great content and uh, be accessible <laughs> and crawlable and everything will fall into place. Right, right? exactly. So, but yeah, uh, my my short answer to that is that they're very different things. That's probably the best answer I've ever heard to that. Insofar as if it's out there and it's public and it's transparent, it probably doesn't relate to the algorithm. <laughs> it's not worth much. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's so good. Yeah. All right. So let me ask. Let's go a little bit more mystical here. So I have a sense that something's sort of in the air. Something has changed. Something has evolved in the algorithm that I can't quite put my my finger on. Uh, am I out of my mind, or do you think that something is going on? Something is, currently is there that we quite haven't been able to define yet. Um, well, I think I, I had the same thing. In fact, I had a tweet um, some time ago where I said, "Guys, are you feeling different results? <laughs> You're not the only one with a weird sensation." But I, I feel much better, by I the way, now that I'm the only one. <laughs> yeah. The, Google's Google. It's it's those people who are involved with search. We search so much, and we 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 do all these fancy queries, and we know what to expect out of Google. I, for example, have one very long structured query that I hit every day, and this query is my brand, personal brand, and brand brand um, reputation management monitoring tool. I don't use any fancy tools. Um, it's just a it's just a query with a lot of pipes and conditions and exclusions and it's it's quite a monster of a query. <laughs> so um, I hit that one every day and it's it, interestingly the changes 
in those results actually give me a pretty good finger finger on the pulse. So one thing that um, that I did notice is, I mean, um, you could argue that the results have vastly changed from Hummingbird, for example. The accuracy, the preciseness, the the when the unsupervised machine learning came into um, action with with Google, um, they suddenly started showing not just search results, but what they consider, I guess, search vectors, directions of users. What so um, for, for so this creates a problem for very complex queries because Google is serving users what Google thinks users want and not what actually users want. So if you have a power user in Google who knows what they want and they have a very structured query with very set expectations, Google will start just ignoring. So this is kind of a recent-ish occurrence that Google just keeps dropping terms. It's like, mm. nah, you don't, you don't need this word in your query. We're just going to leave that out. I mean, they give you the option to put it back in, but they're like, yeah, we're just going to ignore everything. We're just going to put um, that particular query out and you can put it back in if you like. I think I spoke about this phenomenon a, a few times already. And I, and I like, it's basically in parallel with Microsoft's Clippy. Do you remember Clippy? No. You start no. writing, you start writing something in, in Microsoft Word. Oh, says, you're right. Clippy, the other, the other, uh, right, right, right. The, the paperclip guy. I, oh, I forgot his name. Right, right. Yeah, it would always start with, looks like you're writing a letter. And I never wrote letters. Right. Uh, it was always an assignment or a document or something. I hated that guy. So it's like Google Google keeps suggesting to users what they are doing in, instead of the old school Google. So, um, and one of my, one of my uh, suspicions is that Google as it is now, how it runs and how, they, how it outputs the results um, is kind of a, a light Google version, Google Lite. Google that saves resources, Google that doesn't show too much, the Google that doesn't go too deep, very optimized for saving resources and time on Google's end, server time and everything else that goes with that. I mean, Caffeine and Hummingbird and all sorts of technologies have been implemented to fast forward and speed up and make everything better, but not, not necessarily to save Google's resources. In, in the past, they've opted in for older machines and uh, you know lower-end machines in favor of better quality machines because they can just plug it out, throw it in the garbage and put the, put another one in. So, you know, if I had this sort of weird feeling, suspicion thing happening right now, it would be that Google is running on a lot less resource than it used to. Fascinating. I'm just going to label it Google Lite, you okay, know, like and, it's, and, and it's kind of a pushy Google as well. The Google that tries to hone you tries to hone you in in a particular direction of your research, which can be quite annoying for power users. Right. But I'm sure for 90% of the user base that Google actually cares about, they might, it might actually quite be, um, be quite useful. That, that's uh, that's but, always the issue. What we complain about yeah. is, is usually really helpful to most people. Yeah. And that's, that's where the quality rating guidelines come in and the quality raters, you know, they, they are the ones assessing, is this, is this good or right. is it not good? Um, so I would imagine not just SEO people and marketers that I would imagine um, academics, researchers, anyone who's taking their search queries seriously would have noticed the drop in quality of the results and, and, and um, the ability to get to specific results because it's always trying to shove you into a certain direction that it thinks it's, it's funny to, to frame Google in such a way that it thinks about something, but it's, it's not quite there yet, but it's almost there. It, it forms... I guess a mach whatever machine equivalent is of an opinion 
right. what a user is after and starts offering that. It's trying to be helpful, but it's annoying a portion of its users, including us. <laughs> exactly. Do you do you think that that's ultimately going to change? Are they going to? I mean, are they are they ultimately going to find a way to to build in more resources and to go in a different direction with it, or are they going to find a way to actually show you what you actually want as you hone in? It's capitalism. That's capitalism. That's a good answer. Yeah, I think you know the answer to that. Yeah, <laughs> minimize right. the cost. I mean, I mean, Google's search is pretty good. It's a pretty good product, but I think. Um, Google's uh, objective towards search is for it to be good enough to sell ads, right. to be ahead of everyone else, to minimize competition. And I think um, unless Google has a serious competitor, which is kind of uh, hard to imagine, you know, it's sort of saying like saying, okay, is there a serious competitor to, to an operating system like Windows? Right. And then, then luckily, you know, Android happened. A serious operating system, you could say, with, with a bit of a totally different um, angle. And can some can something overtake uh, Microsoft Office? And then Google Docs happen. Right. Outlook, Gmail. Obviously, obviously they're chipping away and, and trying to carve their way into all these markets. But um, for somebody to replace Google in the same way that Google's been trying to replace Microsoft and others, it, it would take a small wonder for, for that to actually happen. But I, I have my fingers crossed, and I think it would be a good thing for the users because we'll see a better quality of Google's results. We'll see a lot more um, research being implemented, a lot, a lot more innovation. But, you know, I don't think Google's resting on their laurels. I think they're, they're quite, you know, still uh, quite agile and still innovative. And you can see through all their research material that they're publishing and academic work that they're doing, patents being filed. So I think I think they're still uh, going in the right direction. I don't think the the Google Lite's going to change. I think it's going to get smarter, but the resource saving part is here to stay. I'd say that is very interesting. I mean, first of all, it's interesting that they do take such a aggressive or energetic stance into doing more development, considering their their market share in search. But yeah, I, I never really considered the uh, the resource saving as being such a uh, high concern for them. But it makes a lot of sense. Definitely makes a lot of sense. When you think of, when you think about the changes that they've made in the past, you know the the traditional PageRank calculation uh, process. Uh, I don't know if you if you're old enough to remember the Google Dance, and 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 all that old school stuff that older generation used to go through and and uh, rack their nerves over. But so Google would actually have to recalculate the entire web index to recalculate and, and derive the new PageRank values for every. Uh, literally every page in their index, right. every URL in there. And that's crazy. Since um, since then, what they've done is kind of like, instead of having this one ripple of calculation, they're, they're having multiple ripples happening at the same time. So PageRank, in a sense, is calculating from multiple points and uh, um, uh, not in sync with each other and then kind of consolidating right. in real time, which is a fabulous invention, yeah. I think. It's very and interesting. Uh, I would imagine it's a lot more cost effective to do that a lot faster. So caffeine, and then when Hummingbird uh, was implemented, that I think was the start of here's what we think you need kind of thing. And it's not that new, actually, not anymore. I mean, it, it, they've definitely got more efficient in terms of their data centers, how what they can do, how they can push things out so quickly across the world. It used to be what they had to you, they, it would be a, a delay if you pushed out from one data center to the next data center. Now it's pretty much instantaneous. They've definitely gotten more efficient. Oh, you do remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> let let me let me let me dive into something a little more current or, or recent. The uh, 
March 2019 Broadcore algorithm update. So that took place almost a year after the original confirmed Broadcore update back in March 2018. Of course, there were ones that came before that wasn't part of this new context where Danny Sullivan came out and started to confirm them on Twitter for everybody. Is that a coincidence? Yes. Yes. Ah. I think it's a complete coincidence. I mean, it's either a coincidence or is there like an internal reason for Google to release it on such a date, like a, a technical advantage or uh, internal schedule. But otherwise, I don't see why they would uh, right. um, schedule it once a year. I think it makes no sense. No, the only the only thing would be there's a certain recalibration that's set up at certain intervals. That would be the only thing I was thinking. Uh, a yearly interval is, is light years. In, no, in I don't mean time. yearly. I mean, I'm, I'm curious to see if you have another one come up in August again. There wasn't one oh, in yeah, April. that would be. Right? There yeah, wasn't yeah. one in April, so my theory is already a little bit shot, but okay, I was I was hoping. Uh, on that <laughs> on that update, so there was a strong consensus among some that there there's a relationship between the medic update and the March 2019 core update. Uh, the data we saw showed that there were some sites that were hit in the, in the medic update that saw a slight rebound during the March 2019 core update. To me, that wasn't enough to say there was a an essential correlation between the two updates. But do you think there was some sort of relationship between them? The March update wasn't as strong as Medi. No, not nearly. Um, my uh, The algorithm data shows that. And one interesting thing is that everyone was like, ah, Medic, Medic wasn't a particularly exciting or strong update. From from the data that I see, it was a pretty pretty mediocre um, event in the overall scheme of things. So right. in Algorithm, if you actually stretch the timeline to you know 2015 until now, Right. Um, take four or five years worth of data and you will actually see where the major events took place. So, for example, January 2016, that was a big day in search. And, and there are days almost as big as that that nobody actually talks about and it, wasn't, it didn't raise any flags. So, in fact, the, the entire, like the second half of 2016 and the second half of 2017 and the first half of 2018, huge like the entire like block of the year was yeah. big. Like the results were very, very different day to day. So what happened is if you compare that period of time against the last 12 months, the last 12 months have been boring. Right, absolutely. Absolutely Nothing boring. Nothing has been happening, yeah. So the biggest update that I ever saw um, in, in the entire history of tracking was actually 14th of September, 2017. And it was for mobile. So if, if I go to Algaroo, switch to mobile, go to September 2017, huge day. Hmm. Absolutely so, massive. But nobody analyzed. We don't know what happened. Exactly. So you, you sort of beat me to my next question. So when we look at our data through the Rank Risk Index, what we find is that there are these, for example, the Medic update was a two or three day update. But there's, sometimes there's these massively long, you know, 14, 10 day updates with the same levels of fluctuations that no one talks about. Or you'll have stretches where there's be a three, four-day update, another three, four-day update, another three, four-day update after. And there's these long, long periods of intense algorithm up, uh, um, rank fluctuation increases that no one talks about. Are people, I mean, obviously I know your answer at this point, I'm going to ask it anyway. Are, are people hung up on these confirmed updates? Because really, in my mind, these confirmed updates are as powerful as your average unconfirmed update. I mean, when we see these big days in in SERP volatility trackers. The only the only thing we can tell 
is that something took place and we could see anecdotal evidence of things happening. So for me, uh, I guess I look at the whole thing in a more or less a, a binary way. I, I try to simplify, simplify things. Yes, I do have the winners and losers and we could try to figure out, you know, why certain websites went up and what, why certain websites went down. But speaking to some of the Googlers, I, I understood that even they don't have a simple way of telling why a particular result is on a particular spot. They have to reverse engineer their own right. results in order to really get to the bottom of it. I'm sure, I'm sure they have little, you know, extra metadata on top of their search results as part of their, you know, framework. But to actually truly understand why a certain result appears somewhere, they will have to back and backward analyze the whole thing. So in a sense, for us at the moment, it's almost impossible. And I don't try to be too clever about understanding what contributed to what drop or gain. For me, it's good enough to understand that, okay, an event took place and it was Google. It wasn't something that was uh, like, I, I have three categories of, of events in my own way of thinking and with my own staff. So we have global events, which when you try to correlate and understand why there was movement in traffic and, and organic traffic and rankings, oh, Google changed something. Okay, good enough for me. I know that that wasn't me changing the title tag or three wanting a page or getting some new links. So the second level of event is an automated event. I didn't actually specifically do anything, but something was detected in my systems, a broken link, 404 page, um, 301 redirect. Um, somebody changed the page. Somebody changed the update, the content. We gained some links, right? So uh, automa automated events took place. So let's say we gained six new links and suddenly, you know, two weeks after that, we're gaining, gaining rank. I go to my tool, I check, was there an update? No. And that, was there an update? Yes, no, binary. That's it. Right. That's it right. for me. I don't try to be, you know, too clever about it. And of course, the, the third, the most easier um, ways, um, I, I, the third uh, level of events in, in my system is manual annotations, kind of like in analytics, where you say, okay, I optimize the title tag of this page, put it in, and I can see it on my chart. So when I try to correlate things, it's, did I do something? Did something happen outside my control, like links happened? And did something happen globally on, on Google level? And that's that's good enough um, for me at I this love point. That. I love that. Yeah. I, I hate, it's literally one of the most annoying things that I, I have to do, so to speak, is, is dive into the algorithm updates. Because it's like pulling yeah. a needle out of a haystack. And then whatever you do pull out, it's really only a very, very, very small sliver of whatever's actually happening out there. And I made the mistake last the last time around. I've never done a winner and losers list. I hate them. And someone asked me to do one the last time around. And I said, okay, I'll, I'll pull one out. And I'll never do it again. It's the biggest mistake. Never again. It, it does spark it, up uh, speculation. It's it, all sorts of controversy and speculation. And no, it's nonsense. It really is. I mean, you, really mean, you really mean to say you believe that of all the websites in the whole world, these are the 10 that were most impacted? Of course not. These are the 10 I picked out that I can most easily identify as being impacted. And on yeah, the other right. side, some of the lists that I've seen, I'm not picking anybody in particular, and it's an easy mistake to make, is that because there's so many updates that are right next to each other, it's easy to say, oh, this one, this update impacted the site. You know, it really impacted the rank because they lost a ton of rank or they gained a ton of rank, let's say. But it's really a reaction to the previous update before it. They went down, now they're back up. It's not really anything. They just got reversed. There's not like not a big winner. You got reversed, you got your rank back from when you got killed two days ago. 
Yeah, there's there's too much in in that soup to to uh, decompose it, you know, to, yep. to de disassemble it. But you know, that said, you know, let's not always try to you know give up. You know, it's we should we should keep trying to probe into it and investigate, but not in situations where it's impossible. Agreed. Um, that's why I said, you know, a big day in Google. I just try to correlate and understand: is it something that Google did, or is it something that we did? Okay, so let me ask you on that because we're talking so much about algorithm updates and the way Google's gotten more qualitative about how it approaches its algorithms. Do you think ranking factors still hold the same weight? Meaning, you know, go back a couple of years, the the idea of honing in and finding which ranking signals are being weighted more heavily than other ones was such a big part of the SEO conversation. But with Google being more, let's say, holistic about things, does diving into understanding the the weighing of the various ranking factors have the same effectiveness? Did it ever have the real effectiveness that we thought it did? I think one thing that the industry should be doing more is reading about experiments a lot less and doing experiments a lot more. For example, you know, people know me as the guy that runs the experiments and shares the results. And I think the experimentation and probing into what works and what doesn't work should be a mindset of a modern marketer. And even if you're not doing it for the purpose of disassembling Google's algorithms, which is, seems like an impossible task. I think our role is to try things, record it. Does it work? Does it not? Repeat. Try again, try again, try again. And then if it works or it does like one of my most successful articles in the recent times was I ran an experiment and I said, I tried this and nothing happened. <laughs> it was actually shared. <laughs> I thought, you know, like I have the responsibility. I had, you know, uh, I thought I was going to manipulate CTR right uh and and try to gain a bit of rank that way so i did it i sent some um what's it called amazon's mechanical turk traffic workers um did it and i, I said no nope, didn't work and then others joined and said well yeah that's because you use mechanical turk if you had a diverse worker force and if you had the no, that's conversation is going right, right right but i published the result that said nothing happened and well, that's good enough for me because i would I would have no now they don't need to try it because it didn't work for me. Some people try it and they say, Well, it worked for me. And like, all right, well, let's all repeat the experiment. So I think our industry should not give up, whether it's ranking factors, whether it's you know, what what works, what's a particularly good, well structured title tag? Has that have there been any scientific or not scientific, but like data driven studies published that sh that show that a particular phrase or a symbol in a title tag uh, work particularly well in which context we know that ppc industry is doing it yeah. but SEO yeah. is kind of lagging behind in in all these experiments and optimizations and things that's true as far as as far as uh ranking factors of course i, I love that sort of stuff and, and i and i say and i urge the industry not to give up keep testing keep trying keep probing um every little bit of knowledge we get we can help our clients with yeah. we're not doing it i mean it's kind of like become a personal game you want to know yeah, I think it's ultimately about being equipped to help our clients as best as we can. So it's for, for a good cause. We will soon have less of a bottleneck, less of a barrier to entry for machine learning. And um, once machine learning and all these advanced tools become available to us and once marketing industry matures and everyone has access to it, I think a lot more 
a lot more uh, powerful probing will be done towards Google's algorithm. And I'm excited to see what comes out of that. Yeah, it'll be a lot more specified also because you have so many different contexts. You have this type of site within this type of niche, within this type of you know sub-niche performs differently for this site, which is in a different niche, which is in a different sub-niche. So all being able to automate these things opens up a ton of doors to what you can do for specific pages, let alone specific niches. Yeah. Okay, so look, before, before we move on to another segment. Let me let me ask you about authority because if, I'm, if we're going to talk about the algorithm and Google's qualitative advancements forward, one of the things that fascinates me is the idea of um, a site's authority in the, the in the eyes of Google. In other words, if Google's taking a more qualitative approach to how it understands everything, content, um, li- everything and everything via machine learning and so forth, how does it impact how Google looks at a site from the lens of authority? I mean, Google's been, they couldn't have been any clearer about how they look at websites they said they don't they look at pages okay so google's been saying we don't look at website level we look at page level and of course pages are interconnected if it's a single website pages are interconnected so they by default form a unit right right um and they all benefit from each other but all the all the ranking factors and signals and things they've been focused towards a page level and i think you know the dapa thing uh, for example, that or what, as I call it, a simulation of PageRank, right, has a little bit of a maybe we've overcomplicated it. I believe that Google's website authority is more like a website trust, and it's a lot simpler than we think. Okay. So page page uh, authority or importance uh, um, or relevance is is a complex thing, but I think a website is. I'm not saying binary, but it's like, do we trust this website or do we not tr- trust this website? In a in a recent interview, it's hard to keep track who said what, but basically um, uh, John Mueller said that they will try to pick out good stuff out of a bad site or, you know, understand what's the bad part of a good site. So they always, you know, for Google, a bunch of good pages and a bad site is still worth presenting. Right. But if there's so much bad stuff, that they just completely cannot trust the website. I think they have measures of taking um, care of that site in its, so it doesn't doesn't appear because it's no longer trusted. So the main authority, I wouldn't put too much emphasis on that. Uh, I would I would think more in in context of a context of brand. Google right. understands the brands and entities. That's and really authors. more what I'm referring to than domain authority. I know it's a it's a misnomer yeah. because Moz has domain authority. I'm not I'm not referring to that at all. Actually, I'm more referring to how Google looks at the at the brand. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's the you know they're they're very good with their entities. Um, you know, for example, if you if you search for my name in Google, there will be a suggested similar personalities. Right. So they they fig- they've figured it out. They know who Dan Petrovich is, and they know who Bill Slavsky is, and who Rand Fishkin is. It's all it's all well fitting and connected. So they understand the entities. They understand the brands. So site authority, not so much. Page authority, definitely. But entity authority. That's that's a new exciting emerging thing, and I right. think that's something that we don't have a metric for. No. Uh, well, we used to have we used to have clout. That didn't work out, <laughs> did it? <laughs> no, but it's 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 a really fascinating development because the way that they're able to understand an entity. I saw one recently. I don't know. It's an American football team that I'm fond of, the Pittsburgh Steelers. So they're famous for their uh, wide receivers. For those who don't follow American football, those are the guys who catch the ball. So right. in, in the knowledge panel now. Only for a few teams, they have um, 
a, a carousel of you know the, the famous wide receivers for that team. But they know which teams to show it for and which teams not to show it for. And that was that blew me away. That's very clever. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So I appreciate all of your insights and all of your your wisdom. And now I'm gonna I'm gonna play a little game with you if you don't mind. All right. All right. I call it optimize it or disavow it. And basically, I'm going to give you either two options that are terrible or two options that are great. And you have to choose between either the two terrible options or from two great options. In either case, you're discarding um, – op- in one case, you have to discard an option that's really good. If I give you two good options and if I give you two terrible options, you have to choose an option that's terrible. I call it <laughs> optimize it or disavow it. This is a Dan Petrovic edition of optimize it or disavow it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna borrow from a, a Barry Schwartz survey that he did a little while ago, where he asked, "Which is more important to you, to focus on quality, the quality rate or guidelines, or to delve into Google's algorithms and pick out information and uh, you know find that needle in the haystack, so to speak?" So <laughs> I, I pretty much know your answer to this already, but I'm gonna ask you: If you had to choose one or the other one, would you choose going and analyzing the quality rate or guidelines and taking their advice and you know ex- extrapolating from there, or do you try to find that needle in the haystack by analyzing a Google algorithm, uh, algorithm update? Yeah, so you ask me apples or pears, and I'm going to say flamingo. Ah. So, uh, <laughs> so, so I, I skimmed over Google Rated Guidelines Okay. because I don't give it too much uh, weight myself. And I kind of do understand that understanding the exact you know, composition of Google's algorithm is pointless. Right. But my, my favor go- is going towards... Uh, understanding how Google's al- algorithm works, because that's my, what my job is. Google Quality Rating Guidelines is a anecdotal document. I, I read through it, skimmed, skimmed through it. I am like, yep, take that. It's all it's all common sense stuff within. Um, but my job is to understand how Google's algorithms work and what makes it tick. And the only way to do that is not to speculate too much. Speculation is good because it gives you a hypothesis, an idea. Right. And then putting things to tests, running tests, more and more tests, experimentation. People say, oh, you know, it's impossible to, you know, uh, disassemble Google's algorithm. Yeah, perhaps. But I think our experimentation can yield results and discover things that are actually useful um, for the purpose of what we're doing, uh, improving our clients' websites and making making, uh, progress. I, I said it many times, and I'll say it again. We don't have the ability to make it rain. We don't control the weather, but we're the weatherman. We can predict and prepare our clients for the conditions that are about to happen. So I think it's useful to look at um, the algorithmic updates, and I think it's useful to understand what goes into Google's algorithms so we can prepare for it. But in if we compare a, a simple document like the quality rating guidelines and understanding of Google algorithmic updates through experimentation, it's quite a simple answer. Yeah. Yep. Okay. I, I had a feeling you were going to go that way with this. Um, <laughs> hard to imagine you would pick the quality rater guidelines with your background. <laughs> all right. Well, I really appreciate it, Dan. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing all of your, uh, your wonderful ideas with us today. You're welcome. It's good fun. Yeah, appreciate it. Take care. And we are back to your regularly scheduled Insert SEO Podcast. Okay, that was the hardest interview I ever did, by the way. Why? Because I had strep throat. I could, I could barely talk. I should have totally pushed off the interview, but I didn't. We were both sick, actually. 
I, and Dan, by the way, kudos to Dan because I could not tell that he was sick at all. Okay, so thanks. I appreciate that. He was sick. I was sick. But he was definitely a much better performer than I was while being sick. Okay. Now it's time to see how knowledgeable you are. Okay, it's not really a challenge. It's more of a way to get your take on things and see how different people see the same issue. Um, it is time for Rank Rangers in search SEO community question, which of course is based on the interview we just heard from Dan Petrovich. And this week's up here, tell them what they've won. What's the most important thing you do when a major Google update rolls out? Right, so you have a major Google update. How do you handle it? So it's the, the, you know, the old question. How do you handle, what's the best way to handle a Google algorithm update? But we just want to hear your take on it. What are your thoughts? What are your feelings? Um, what works best for you? What doesn't work best for you? What works best for one person or one site may not work best for another site. So let's hear what you have to say. By the way, before we move on, Let's see what you said to last week's question. Of course, last week we asked you one of my favorite questions, actually, because it asked you to get you know emotional and vulnerable and in touch with your feelings. We asked you, how do you overcome your limitations as an SEO or marketer? Uh, really, my favorite community question so far. And you guys did not really get in touch with your inner feelings the way I thought you would. I wanted you to go full on Mr. Rogers with me. You do know Mr. Rogers, right? Mm. Oh, my God. Okay. All right. Well, Ethan Marblauer on Twitter hit me up and he said, you know, he likes to look at the, the industry news and look for trends in order to expand his horizon. That's a great way. Someone on LinkedIn, I should have wrote down who it was. Uh, I apologize. Wrote incrementally. That's really a real word. Meaning like they increment in increments, gain better knowledge and better understanding. They don't try to do it all in one shot. Right. That's a good piece of advice, right? Mm -hmm. Go slow. Someone anonymous on our Google form wrote that they like to go to conferences to get out of their bubble. And that's a great way. Conferences by the... So some people have to think about going to conferences. Like why waste the money going to an SEO or marketing conference or whatever conference it is? One, it's a great way to get free beer. Okay, usually. Or like free... Noted. Like, yeah, or for, you know, free whatever. So if you're into collecting free pens, conferences are great. You should definitely spend the you know $1,000 on the ticket in the hotel and whatever it is to get some free pens and maybe some free beer. Mm -hmm. Okay. Outside of the free beer and free pens which is totally worth it in of itself, it's a great way to get out of your bubble and to see what other people are talking about and at least, at minimum, if it, maybe you won't learn anything new. It's a possibility because you're a super genius. I'm not going to learn anything new, but at least you'll see or you'll hear that other people are facing the same problems that you are. Okay, and that, that, that helps you overcome. Sure it is. Yeah, you know, you're looking at me like I'm nuts. It, it is. <laughs> the people, the audience understands what I'm saying. They know jumping the shark from Happy Days means. They know what that means. Okay. They are excited that the next Terminator is coming out, and they've already seen Avengers. All right, we're moving on because <laughs> I'm getting dirty looks. Okay, should we do the news? Do I have a choice? No. No? No, okay. I mean, you Let's do. I, you could walk off set and leave me. It, you do the news. Like my two-year-old says, he, he, he'll, in the morning he'll wake up, he'll try to go to the fridge and pull on the fridge door, which we have locked. Mm -hmm. Because he'll pull everything out of the fridge. Cute. Yeah, and he'll you know beg for milk, mm -hmm. and I'll say, "Okay, go get a cup. You get it." Literally, <laughs> that's what he's old telling me. You get it. That's <laughs> awesome. Okay, Marty, let's do. Yeah, the let's news. do the news. Okay. okay. <laughs> so, Pierre, please take it away with the news. Okay. So Google is now giving you new way to bring up your Google Ads optimization score. The new elements focus on ways to better optimize your bidding for better performance. Yeah, that's cool. That's great. That is. That's it? That's no, all you have to that's say? all I have to say about it. Because I'm, I'm, so my problem with the news is that I don't want to like make this drawn out too long already. We're already, you know, we're 20, 
I don't, I don't know how many minutes we are into this recording already, but we're into it. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to drag it out. Okay. Okay. Because I have a lot of to say in the next stories. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Keep Let's going. Let's move on. Yeah, move on. Google's hotel price insights are now on the desktop SERP itself. You no longer need to click over the Google's travel site via the knowledge panel. Right. So, okay, this is where I want to go off. Okay, this is why I needed the time. You know, okay, so Google has these price insights um, within the within the... And you can access via the local knowledge panel. You can, of course, go to Google's own travel site to access them and, and so forth. They basically tell you what's a good price, how much you can expect to pay for a hotel on a given night, okay? Really, really deep information, really cool information about how much you're going to expect to pay at a hotel for on a given night. Okay, so it used to be you had to go and access that through the local knowledge panel, but no more because that's right on this desktop SERP for you. So basically... If you search for a specific hotel, like I you know the, the the Radisson in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, which I have no idea if there is a Radisson in Cherry Hill, New Jersey or not, but let's just say there is, you should expect to see on desktop the the a bar graph of price insights within the Radisson hotels organic result, meaning within the hotels actual organic result. Which, by the way, it's really really interesting because let's say you click on the hotel itself. Okay, let's say it's the Marriott in New York City, whatever it is. Okay, and you see the organic result for the Marriott, the Marriott.com, New York City, and you click on it and you book a hotel room through the organic result. Do you pay Google anything, or does I'm sorry, does the does the site pay Google anything? No, you you book through the website directly. Google's not part of the equation. But if you click on that price insight graph. Within the website's organic result, within Marriott.com's organic result, you are directed to Google's travel insights page. Meaning, and if you book through there, okay, there's a whole commission-based program. There's a whole um, ad, uh, um, ad program within there for the actual hotel itself. Meaning, if you don't go to the organic result and you click on the price insights and you head over to Google's travel website and you start booking through there, well, that now... Now that hotel might have to pay Google a commission, or now Google can say to the to the Marriott hotel, "Hey, look, so, you know, look how many people are booking through our platform versus your platform. Maybe you should advertise more." Okay, I don't like the the placement of that graph within the hotel's actual organic result. You want to put it on the SERP, put it at the top of the SERP somewhere. Fine, whatever. All right, whatever. Okay, moving on. Okay, so you touched a little bit on the subject a while ago, but I'm going to mention it anyways. Okay. Um, a new design has hit the mobile SERP. Yes. The redesign includes a new ad label without a colored background, favicones as part of the organic results, and a black URL instead of the normal green one. Okay, so, so a couple things I didn't touch on when we spoke about this earlier. One, obviously a colorless um, ad label blends far more into the SERP than if there was a you know um, if there was a color in the background like it used to be green they used to be um, uh, they used to be yellow okay but even without the color which there hasn't been for a while now previously you just had a green um, ad label it just said ad in green without any color in the background okay but at least it was green it sort of popped out a little bit more with the full on black bolded black lettering without any color in the background it really blends into the to the to, to the results page okay so you might not really realize it's an ad i wonder if clicks are going to go up um of course this ruffles a lot of feathers and whatnot but we'll see at the same time i really don't like the favicons thing i don't like the favicons thing at all why so i was doing a search for something to do with birds i don't remember what it was it wasn't relevant to my life at all i'm just trying to check out the new serp um 
and there was a result from I don't even remember the name of the website, and it had its little icon there, the little favicon there. And then there was something from Mashable and something from Time. I skipped right over that unknown site that I had no experience with before, which I, where I didn't recognize their brand logo. And I jumped right over to Time and Mashable because, oh, yeah, Time and Mashable. I recognize those logos. This logo I don't recognize. I'm going to skip over. So I think this whole Favicon thing is great if you're a recognizable brand, if you're a brand people already know about. But if you're not, it sucks because people just skip right over you. Mm-hmm. That's, I predict that's what's going to happen. And I, I, think it's a, I think it's unfortunate because... Just because it's the result of some time or Mashable, does that mean it was the most relevant result? Certainly it wasn't according to Google's own construct because those two sites were ranked lower than the site I was unaware of what their logo looked like. Right. Okay, onwards. Okay, let's move on. So bugs, as discussed, are still plaguing Google. Aside for the bug that halted new indexing for a short time, Google announced there was another indexing issue unrelated to the initial indexing bug. Oh, boy. Well... That's really interesting, isn't it? Totally. Just fits right into my theory. Mm-hmm. More bugs, more, more t- bugs. What? Because so there was the theory that maybe it's a, someone messed up, someone manually messed up over Google. What? How, okay, so that explains one bug. What about the next one? True. And the next one. Mm-hmm. And the next one. I'm just saying. You might be onto something. I, I'm, sometimes I am. Okay, thank you for the news. You're welcome. Duly appreciate it. Okay, so another episode, another solid episode of the In Search SEO podcast, all but behind us, but there's just one last formality. The SEO send-off question. Yay. Hit the music. Okay, so it's my wife's birthday soon, and I have no idea what to get her, because it gets harder every year, by the way. I've been married 12 years. So there's there's only so many things a given person is into, right? It's, it's definitely not more than 12 things. You have more than 12 hobbies? No. Do you, can you name more I than... I might. Okay, you might. You're a very eclectic person, okay? I am. I know. Do you have? You really have more than 12 interests, like things that you're really into? Sure. That you really like? Sure. Really? Oh, I am. I guess I'm just a boring person then. Because I just like scotch, beer. I mean, and, do you really want me to answer that question? And No. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, you know, forget <laughs> it. Okay. What I'm trying to say is... It gets harder every year because you don't want to repeat the same thing over and over again. And a person only has so many things that they like and they're interested in. Okay? Mm-hmm. And my wife is not easy to shop for. So that was the inspiration behind this question. I'm very easy, by the way. Give me a bottle of scotch. I'm happy. That's my birthday every year. Bottle of scotch. Lovely. I'm letting you know. My birthday is in March, by the way. <laughs> yeah. That wasn't like, that wasn't like, that wasn't abstract information. I'm telling you. Okay? My birthday is March 3rd and I like scotch. Good to know. Yeah. If you're listening out there, my birthday is March 3rd and I like scotch. I'll tell you, the, you know, ping me on Twitter and I'll send you the mailing address. Anyway, with that, okay, my question to you this week is, what does Google buy for their partner's birthday? Because I was having, I'm still having a tremendous amount of problems figuring out what to buy for my wife for her birthday. So what does Google buy for their partner's birthday? And you're looking at me like you don't want to answer this. And I know <laughs> and I know you're new still, so I'll take the lead on this one. But you know pretty soon I'm going to have you go first because oh, it just God. flows better. Okay? Because okay. I'm asking my question and I'm answering it. Yeah, you, you do know, it all the time. I know. All right. Whatever. So I think Google buys its partner for, for their birthday more shopping partners. Because why buy a gift when you can buy the entire store? <laughs> Get it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was corny. It's a good search joke. All right. Anyway, 
What do you think, Sapir? Uh, a birthday cake. <laughs> you know, I have no idea how you come up with these crazy questions. Just pointing it out there. I already told you how I come up with this question. I was having a hard time finding a gift for my wife. And I thought, well, right, right, yeah, well we're yeah, Google Got by. it. Got yeah, I, but I know what you mean. You don't literally mean, I don't know how you come up with these questions. You mean like these questions are crazy. How do you come up with these things? Indeed. Indeed. And indeed, that is our episode for today. Thank you so much for joining us. Join us again next Tuesday for another episode of the In Search SEO podcast. And don't forget, it's in search because we're all in search of something. Take care. Take care.